Welcome to the Sales Influence Podcast, where we talk about finding the why in how people buy. I'm your host, Victor Antonio, and today uh, we're going to tackle the cleaning business. Let's see if we can clean up in the cleaning business. So I got this question on YouTube, and I thought, eh, this, this is an interesting one to tackle. Again, um, give me your feedback, whether it's on, you know, on iTunes, on Stitcher, or especially YouTube, on what you think of some of these uh, questions that we're dealing with. And again, if I can't cover yours, I'm sorry, I just get a lot of questions. I do my best to find those questions that represent the majority of my audience, and it's not just something so specialized that it can't relate to anybody else. So anyway, I try to find relatable problems across the board, cross-section across different industries. This one is the cleaning industry, but there's some lessons in this uh, uh, problem that my friend is having. Now, I don't have the name in front of me. It just goes under Vacuum Guys. That's the name of his YouTube channel, Vacuum Guys. Anyway, it says, I'm in the cleaning industry and approached a building owner about cleaning the facade of his commercial building. He indicated that he would be interested in doing so once he had finished renovations. So I waited two months, then I followed up. We had a real, we had really, we had a really great rapport, had great rapport during the first interaction. Two months later, I scheduled a call with him, at which point he had completely forgotten everything we discussed regarding price. I presented the quote again, and he indicated that it was way more than he was willing to pay, especially since he had some recent financial losses and had not been able to complete one floor. I came back with an alternative cleaning plant at a lower price point, 45% lower, parentheses, and a two-month payment plan. No response in five days. Is this savable or better to back off and try again later? Let me just run to the end of this one. You gave me two options here. Is it savable? Better to back off and try again later. And I'll give you the third option. Let it go. Yes, it let it go. Unless this, this deal is so huge, you know, uh, then maybe hang in there. But, and again, since I don't know the numbers, I'm at a disadvantage. But let's kind of walk through it because there, there's some interesting, you know, sales dynamics that are going on in this interaction uh, that I think we can learn from. So let me start at the beginning again. And again, I apologize for reading over, but I really want you to get this. He said, I'm in the cleaning industry and again, wanted to clean the facade of this commercial building. He indicated that he was interested in doing so once he had finished renovation. So I waited two months, then followed up. Now, we had great rapport, and that's just a note, during the first interaction. Two months later, I scheduled a call with him, at which point he had completely forgot about everything we discussed regarding price. Stop right there. So let me help you out, vacuum guys. I, there's something called the Ebbinghaus Curve. The Ebbinghaus Curve is all about retention and memory. What people can retain and what they, you know, how much information they can hold in their brain and for how long. So here's some numbers, and I've talked about this in my past podcast, but it's always worth repeating. The Ebbinghaus Curve says something like this. People will forget 75% of what you've told them within 24 hours. Let me say that again. They will forget 75% of what you told them within 24 hours. So when somebody says, you know what, I'll think about it, they're not going to think about it. Within 24 hours, they've forgotten 75%. Worse, within 30 days, they'll forget 90% of what you've told them. Let me say that again. In 30 days, 
they, they would have forgotten 90% of what you told them, but it gets worse. You know the 10% they're able to recall? 50% of that is incorrect. So in essence, after 30 days, people only remember 5% of the information you gave them. And typically that 5% is very selective. In other words, they remember what they want to remember and want a forget what they want to forget. Why is this important? Because in this we had, you mentioned you had great rapport during the first meeting. Two months later, I scheduled a call with him, at which point he had completely forgotten everything we discussed regarding pricing. Duh, of course he did. You know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that you didn't do a proposal. So here's one of my suggestions. You know, did you hand him a proposal or was this just a general conversation? Did you just say, you know, we do something and it's about, I don't know, you know, $1,000. If that's what you said, well, he's going to forget 75% of the information he gathered that day within 24 hours, and that might be part of that 75%. So my first question to you would be, if we were talking and I was coaching you, I said, well, how did you do it? Did you just say that to him? Did you just kind of look at the building and say, here's an estimate? Because if you did that, then, you know, that's not really a proposal. You just mentioned pricing. There's a big difference. You mentioned pricing, and then there's a proposal two different things. And I think people confuse that. If I give you a price, that's not a proposal. If I make it a formal proposal, put it on paper, tell you exactly what I'm going to do for you, that to me is a formal proposal. So I'm going to assume that this was a verbal contract. In other words, you gave him a number. And when you do that again, most people forget. So it's no surprise that he forgot this two months later, right? So my suggestion would be that if you're, you want to be a business person, right? And again, vacuum guys, you could have done this, and I might be going down the wrong road with this, but let's just pretend for a moment that you did not provide them an official proposal. This was just a verbal statement, verbal pricing, not a proposal. And if you did that, well, then lesson number one is they're not going to remember it, so let's not do that anymore. Second, you know, I would say, I would give them an official proposal. In other words, I would actually look at the buildings, uh, the, the facade of the building. I would count, let's say, the number of windows or however you draw up your proposal and then list out everything that you're going to do in an itemized format. And then put in a proposal, itemize all the things you're going to do to clean up, and then put the price down. And then what I would then do, if I can't do it there on the spot, that I would actually grab the gentleman or female's number off their business card and their email and then come back and say, you know, and email them the proposal. In fact, I would email them the proposal and then I would follow up with a phone call to make sure they got the proposal. Okay? That way it sticks. Now, what happened to you is that you they came back. Now, you, you said I presented the quote once again that he indicated was more than expected to pay, right? Uh, let me see. Uh, he was willing to pay, especially since they had recent financial problems. Then you came back once, you t once he told you, whoa, whoa, that's more than I expected to pay, and you know, I'm suffering some losses right now. So what you did is you went back, you said, I came back with a, an alternative cleaning plan at a lower price point, 45% lower, and a two-month payment plan. Okay, so now let's think of this psychologically. Let's say you gave him a quote for, and again, I'll just say, a thousand, let's say 5000 sounds like a better number, $5,000. Now you come back at a rate that's 45% cheaper, which is almost half. And even if I remembered the price and I pushed back and you came back at half the price, I'm like, well, well, why did you quote me such a high price the first time? See, sometimes we think that lowering the price gets the deal. And it's, it's, it's not true. 
lowering the price is not a form of selling. It's a form of defeat. Let me say it again. Lowering your price, like especially in this case, like right away, is not a form of selling. It's a form of concession defeat. You've given in. And because you gave him a 45% discount, they, he's got to be thinking one of two things. You know, was this guy trying to rip me off on the first quote? And if he went down 45%, maybe he can go down more. So your question to me, is this, he hasn't responded after five days. Is this savable or better to back off or try again later? Look, again, if he's having financial problems, then guess what? Maybe we need to move on. This person doesn't have the money, doesn't have the financial wherewithal, and right now, cleaning the front of the building is not a priority. So in my opinion, based on what I see, I would move on. The vacuum guys, that would be my recommendation. Let's move on to somebody else. Because again, even if you come back again, you're doing the follow-up, and I don't know how big the deal is. Now, if this is like, I don't know, million dollar deals for a bunch of buildings, then okay, hang in there. But if it's just one building, you know, and again, the cost is somewhere between 1,000 and 5,000, whatever the cost may be, you know, after two or three follow-ups, that's it. But again, you've lowered the price, you've not gotten a response. And again, when you went back and talked to the individual, you didn't get the response you wanted. Basically, he, the person was whining about, you know, what, it's so much money, I can't afford this, plus I'm losing all this business. At that point, you know you're talking to that 20% who will never buy from you. So my suggestion is walk away, but in the future, we don't verbally just give a price out. We're professionals. We actually said, you know what, let me put a price sheet together real quick. And again, maybe you can do it in your car. You can go back to your car. I'll be back in five minutes. Prepare it in your car, print it out, and then come back with a fully itemized proposal of what you're willing to do. Get the business cards. Follow up you know, with the proposal via email, and then within a week or two, follow up again. That's how you do it. And again, let's be professional, but in this case, my friend, vacuum guys, I think it's time to walk away. Again, if I'm wrong, leave me a comment on, on YouTube where I'm gonna post this and let me know what you think, okay? Anyway, I appreciate the question. That's it for this Sales Influence Podcast. Don't forget to leave me some feedback on iTunes, Stitcher, or YouTube. Let me know what you think. I would greatly appreciate it. Also, as I always remind you, check out my sales training website, SeminarsOnSelling.com. We got some new programs up there, some killer programs. I think you'll enjoy them. Lastly, I want to thank you for listening. This is Victor Antonio, always reminding you to what? Remember, selling ain't hard when you know how. Take care. Hi. I'm Victor Antonio. I'm an author, sales trainer, and keynote speaker. I'm often asked, what makes a great speaker? Is it someone who delivers real content that the audience can use? Is it someone who engages the audience so they're part of the learning experience? Or is it someone who can motivate an audience to push them beyond their comfort zone and discover new abilities? The answer is yes, but the most important thing to remember is that I'm not there to look good. I'm there to make my client look good. Simply put, it's never about me, and it's always about them.